I'm Emily, and this is Coco. Hi there. Uh, Coco is not Jonathan. Nope. Uh, Jonathan would have loved to be here to talk about space, but he's unfortunately quite ill, so instead we have Coco here, and we're going to talk about spatial stuff. Like, close enough. spatial games we really mean you know visual spatial stuff the the first thing that comes to mind when i think of like stuff that's like spatial pattern fitting i think tetris right yeah tetris like fit the thing in the thing yes um so that's the kind of stuff we're gonna be talking about to to clarify we do mean like think tetris like think like nice and simple and flat we're not gonna be talking about dexterity games even though that can sort of kind of toe the line. Yeah, you often find the the rules around these spatial games usually center around some kind of like, there's a condition on which you have to put a thing in a thing. Uh, Except that when we want to compare those with like Riff Raff or Bandu or the the additional challenge of like the dexterity piece with the stack the thing on the thing with that rule, we're not talking about that today. Yeah, the the act of stacking the dexterity itself kind of I find takes away from the spatial thing. Mm-hmm. Um, Specifically, though, this week, we're going to be talking about two-player spatial games. We often find that these these spatial games lend themselves really well to playing with just two people. Uh, It might be something about the simplicity of having only two people working together or working against each other. So while there are not a ton, but a few sort of visual spatial games that are intended for larger groups of people... The majority of them are two-player focused and... Or, or lend themselves really well to just playing with one other person. We talked a little bit about Tetris and how that's my first thought and probably quite a few people's first thought when it comes to visual, spatial, let's say, activities. But when it comes to, you know, in real life, doing stuff with your hands in front of a real-life human, the thing that I think of first is Connect Four. Yeah, I feel like Connect Four is kind of the classic. And we get a lot of folks who come into the cafe who are like, you guys have Connect Four? Whoa, I haven't played this since I was five. Connect Four is uh, the best. You know, I just got to disagree with you on that one. <laughs> I think that there are, like, Connect Four certainly is, like, the original, and you're talking about managing your space and fighting someone else for that same space. So the 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 distinction between I'm trying to get my line while not allowing you to get your line. But I think that there are a lot of newer, cooler games that take that idea of my space and your space and we're fighting over it and make it perhaps more interesting or maybe just fresher. Like uh, Pentago is one of the ones you talked about first, right? Yeah, Pentago is very much like a flat Connect 4. Like um, like horizontal. Yeah like, yeah, like like flat on the, yeah, I guess... You're right, Coco. Technically, Connect Four is flat. Thank you. Um, yeah, so Pentago. She means flat both, you know, emotionally and physically. Burn. So I tell did, me about Pentago, Emily. I, look, I'm going to defend Connect Four for a minute first. <laughs> in my defense, I don't think I've played Connect Four since I was like in the fifth grade. But I was oh, re- that's a real solid like endorsement. endorsement. I know. Uh, I was really good at Connect Four in the fifth grade. Um, I think I just have really fond memories of it, and a lot of people do. Like you said, people come in all the time looking to play it. Tell me about Pentago. Pentago. Uh, how Pentago works is it's horizontal, and it's a, a board composed of like nine sort of like quadrants, like little squares, with um, within these little squares, um, nine little 
holes in them, like little slots. And you have these little pieces. They're flat. They're kind of like checkerboard, checker piece sized and like shaped. And one side is blue and the other side is red. And on your turn, you put one of your pieces with like your color facing up. Like they're double-sided just to sort of like as a good design choice to simplify the amount of stuff you have in the box. Right. Um, so if I'm blue on my turn, I'm placing one of the piece blue side up on the board, and then I'm taking one of these little squares that are on these little hinges, and I pick it up, and I spin it around 90 degrees in one direction. Okay, so I want to imagine, like, nine tic-tac-toe boards next yes. to in a in a square yeah and you place your little your token that has your color faced up and then you can rotate one of the tic-tac-toe boards yeah and the idea is that you're trying to get five in a row five individual pips in a row like, yes okay so think like connect four like yeah. aesthetically like connect four except flat yes except <laughs> flat and there's that extra element of moving stuff around. So whereas, you know, Connect Four, you can kind of rely on, like, I'm putting my piece there. It's going to be there forever. Pentago thinks we moved around either to your advantage on your turn or at your disadvantage by your opponent's turn because there's no limit and no rules about which thing you move. Okay. Like, you can move you... any square you want. doesn't have to be a square that's occupied by any of your pieces. Mm-hmm. doesn't have to be the square that you just played on now. It's do like, you do you rotate the square ninety degrees each time? Like, is that predictable? Yeah, it just goes. It just ticks like in one direction, like okay. one kind of like funk, either clockwise or counterclockwise. Your call. So not only do you not only do you compromise the plans that I've made by rotating one of the tic tac toe boards, you also can set yourself up for success or failure by not planning on things rotating. Yep. Interesting. Okay. It seems like Pentago is the beautiful love child of tic tac toe and Connect Four. And with cool hinges. And flat. And flat. Flatness, generally, is a part of the, the theme. So thinking about flatness and about other games that combine other games, let's talk, what about, uh, like, what about Quarto? Where does that fit in this whole scheme? So Quarto is another game that's got a very Connect Four vibe to it. Um, our darling, beloved Steve Tassie likes to refer to it as, you know, Connect Four's sexy European cousin. Uh, and Quarto is... Is great. Quarter's great. Quarter goes like this. Uh, there are there's a, kind of like a, a sprawl of these lovingly carved wooden pieces that have different sort of characteristics. You know, there's like taller ones, there's shorter ones, there's dark stain, there's no stain, there is square, there is round, there is with a hole at the top, there is without a hole at the top. Uh, and you have this board, and it's four by four, and the board Again. is also lovingly car- carved, I will add. Yes, very lo- a lot of love in this game. This is one of those like beautiful like abstract two-player games mm-hmm. that you just want to like pick up the pieces and just rub against your face because they're all wooden and lovely. They look like they'd be great. You know is, that thing? Is that, is that part of how you play the game or is that just you? No, that's just me. You know that thing you can do where you put like a tennis ball on the floor and you lie on it and you roll around and it's supposed to have your back? You really want to do that with all those pits, bits and quarters. Guys, I wouldn't recommend it. For all of you guys listening at home, please don't roll around on quarto bits. <laughs> so quarto, quarto works like this. You um you want to get four in a row that have an element in common. And by four in a row, I don't mean that like I have the square ones and Coco has the round ones or the dark ones and the light ones. I mean that I just need to be the person that places the fourth on the board that has a thing in common. So I could, they can all be tall, but then two are white and two are dark mm-hmm. and one has holes and one is square. That's totally mm-hmm. fine because they're all dark mm-hmm. um, or all tall. But the fun thing about Quartero is that you don't actually have any control over the pieces that you're playing. Your opponent gets to decide which pieces you're going to be putting on the board at any given time. Interesting. So we're both fighting over the shared board space of like trying to get mm-hmm. our row happening. 
but I don't get to choose what piece I play next. Yeah. You what? have no control over... It's, it's interesting because it's a good sort of like control switch up. I mean, in the whole spatial visual thing, we talk a lot about, you know, controlling the space. And quarter is interesting because it's... I can control which pieces go on the board because I can choose to give you one or another, but I can't control where those go. Right. Or I have the control over where things go, but not over what they are. Mm-hmm. So mm-hmm. it's a lot about sort of making the best out of a terrible situation that is provided to you. Uh, and it's great, great. Porto is lovely and not flat at all. Very three-dimensional. <laughs> so it's, it's interesting that we have these games that on the surface appear quite simple, uh, but when you dig into them more, there's sort of facets of, of control or different, I, I don't know, you might say like currencies that you have to manage, whether the currency is like your initiative or your ability to choose. Uh, I'm excited because I think on Wednesday we're going to talk a little bit more about, about those like two-player spatial visual games where you have to go even deeper, where there's even another element of, of stuff that you have to manage, yeah? Mm-hmm. And I'll tell you right now, they're all very flat. See you on Wednesday! Wednesday!